This is The Space Shot, episode 105 for August 27th, 2017. The Great Moon Hoax. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. There are two launches that I want to talk about today before we get into The Great Moon Hoax. The first was Mariner 2, and it was launched on August 27th, 1962. Mariner 2 was the first spacecraft to complete an interplanetary mission after it came within 21,000 miles of Venus. It saw evidence of the scorching temperatures on that planet and showed that the atmosphere was around 900 degrees Fahrenheit or about 500 degrees Celsius. The spacecraft also discovered that Venus has a slow retrograde rotation, meaning that the planet rotates in the opposite direction that it travels around the Sun. Its mission was successful, even with the loss of a solar panel. Mariner 2's mission came to an end with its final transmission in January of 1963. The second launch I want to talk about today is the STS-51I mission. This was the 20th shuttle flight, and it's notable because the crew of the shuttle was able to repair a commercial communications satellite during this mission. After a week in orbit, Discovery and her crew returned to Earth, landing at Edwards Air Force Base. Now, let's talk some science fiction. Depending on how into sci-fi you are, you may know that some of the earliest science fiction stories came from the 19th century, and even earlier in some cases. Works like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which was published in 1818, and H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, published in 1898, are examples of some early science fiction. With the advent of radio and television, stories started to come to life for listeners and viewers across the United States. Captain and two policemen advanced with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. Flag of truce. Those creatures know what that means. What anything means. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught up by the woods, the fires, the, the gas tanks, tanks of the automobiles spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we have a late bulletin from San Diego, California. Professor Indelkoffer, speaking at a dinner of the California Astronomical Society, expressed the opinion that the explosions on Mars are undoubtedly nothing more than... Radio dramas like War of the Worlds or sci-fi serials like X-1 are some of the examples of early science fiction. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X, 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 X minus, minus one. One, 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 one. The radio drama adaptation of The War of the Worlds was directed by Orson Welles. It was broadcast on Halloween, October 30th, 1938, 
This radio drama was entirely fiction, just like the Great Moon hoax that I'm going to talk about today. On a side note, I will revisit the War of the Worlds in October, so don't think that I'm skipping over it. On August 25th, 1835, the New York Sun newspaper published the first of a series of accounts of lunar discoveries and extrasolar planets that had been made by Sir John Herschel. Fantastical descriptions of the moon and its bat people inhabitants were relayed to readers over six days of coverage. The problem is that Sir John Herschel, who was a famous astronomer, never made those discoveries. And he wasn't even involved in the creation of these stories. It was all a hoax. Reporter Richard Adams Locke told the moon story through the viewpoint of Dr. Andrew Grant, the assistant to Sir John Herschel. But just like the Bat People, Dr. Grant wasn't real either. I'm going to read an excerpt from the beginning of this article titled The Great Astronomical Discoveries Lately Made by Sir John Herschel. In this unusual addition to our journal, we have the happiness of making it known to the British public, and thence to the whole civilized world, recent discoveries in astronomy which will build an imperishable monument to the age in which we live, and confer upon the present generation of the human race a proud distinction through all future time. It has been poetically said that the stars of the heaven are the hereditary regalia of man as the intellectual sovereign of the animal creation. He may now unfold the zodiac around him with a loftier conscientiousness of his mental supremacy. Those were lofty words for the start of a six-day series of articles detailing the scientific work of Dr. Grant and Sir John Herschel. The story goes on to describe how a massive new telescope made these observations possible. The fictitious Dr. Grant explained how the 24-foot-wide lens weighed nearly 15,000 pounds and had a magnifying power of 42,000 times. That size of glass lens would have been incredibly difficult to make. Even today, telescopes like the Large Binocular Telescope in Arizona, the largest non-segmented mirror optical telescope in use, are about 27.5 feet wide. This fictional telescope described in the Moon Hoax story allowed Herschel and Grant to observe the lunar surface in unbelievable detail. Quote, at the foot of this boundary of hills was a perfect zone of woods surrounding the whole valley, which was about 18 or 20 miles wide, at its greatest breadth and about 30 in length. Small collections of trees of every imaginable kind were scattered about the whole of the luxuriant area, and here our magnifiers blessed our panting hopes with specimens of conscious existence. In the shade of the woods on the southeastern side, we beheld continuous herds of brown quadrupeds, having all the external characteristics of the bison, but more diminutive. The article goes on to quote Dr. Grant and tells of his seeing people with wings like a bat's who would bathe in the waters of the oceans on the moon. While fantastic and hard to believe now, it's understandable how people in the 1800s would have believed this news account at least initially. The human desire to believe that life on other worlds exists is evident in science fiction and popular culture throughout the last couple hundred years. Great efforts were made to make readers believe the story, the article going so far as to say that Episcopal and Wesleyan ministers verified these sightings, 
As much as I want to believe that there are bat people living on the moon and bathing in lunar lakes, the Apollo program proved without a doubt that there are no batmen on the moon and no quadrupeds roaming around either. Check out the show notes for more information on today's episode. There are a lot of links worth checking out and reading. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a rating in iTunes. It takes just a minute to leave a rating, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. I'd appreciate it if you could share the space shot with your friends and family and anyone else that enjoys podcasts. Tomorrow, not the Nimbus 2000 or Nimbus 3, but Nimbus 1 and a shuttle launch. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.